Um, I didn't get a chance to see it. MJ emailed me earlier this week and said, well, what's the title of your message going to be? And I'm not, I'm not good at that sort of thing, so I came up with the cleverest title I could come up with, which was not very clever, but um, the, the reality is I've been, I've been holding this and chewing on this for a while because you guys may recall back over the summer, Nathan uh, shared out of Acts 16 um, a passage about Lydia, right? The, the woman who was the dealer in, in purple cloth. Um, and, and he shared that in the context of a question that God had asked Moses, um, what's in your hand, right? And how she was this woman who had this, you know, fairly substantial amount of wealth and, and influence in the community that she was in. And, and so, we, you know, Nathan dialed in on you know, what she did with that, you know, what, what was in her hand and, and how did she make that available to God? And, and I've been just chewing on that and chewing on that. Um, I went back last night to try and re-listen to the message. Um, and it's, you know, one of them that we don't have on the website yet. So I spent, you know, time just listening to other messages. And, um, but I've been, been chewing on this. And so I want to talk with you today. I want to throw another log on that fire. Um, and I want to ask you the question, right? So Nathan posed the question, what's in your hand? And so I want to ask you the very clever question, well, what's in your other hand? Right? And, and to look at a different story, but to, to, make, you know, to, 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 to try and dial in on, you know, there's a part of me that does not identify with Lydia. Right? I, don't, I don't feel like I've got a full hand. Right. Can any of you guys identify with that? I mean, there's times, but I would, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you um, ladies, you know, moms, you know, grandmas, aunts, have ever just felt like there is not enough of you to go around in the light of what you see um, in your own life or in your own family or your extended family or your job? You just feel like, Lord... I just, they're not enough. Okay. Or men, if, if we were really honest with ourselves, guys, I would ask you, how many of you ever felt like you are not completely adequate to lead and provide for your family? Right? At the workplace. Like maybe... Right? What's being asked is just more than what you have the goods to deliver. And some of you, I don't know, kids, I think we got a handful of you in here. How many of you guys have ever said, if I'm a kid, wait a second, I'm just a kid. What in the world is this? You know, I'm just a kid. I'm just a teen. I'm just trying to figure some things out here. Right? And so I want to dive into that, right? Because there's a lot of us who I would guess, if we were honest with ourselves, would say we identify maybe with that dynamic more than with Lydia and, and that having a full hand. And so I want to dive into a really familiar story. Um, it's actually, it's, it's one of only 11 stories that shows up in all four Gospels. 
So as much overlap as there is and inconsistency throughout Scripture, it was hard to get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right, all on the same page in terms of what they were capturing in their Gospels. But this one shows up uh, in all four. And so it, it's a story, this was kind of a funny, again, a funny exchange. I told MJ, I said, I'm, I'm going to preach on this story about when Jesus fed the 5,000. She says, she emails back and says, oh, are you preaching out of Mark 6? And a couple minutes later, I get a follow-up email. Or, or Matthew 14? And I wrote back and I said, uh, no, actually, I'm going to preach out of John 6. But for those of you keeping score at home, it's also in Luke chapter 9, right? All four Gospels. And so I want to set just a little bit of context for this before we, before we dive in. And ultimately, I want to land in John. But, but I think the other three stories um, kind of set some context. Right? So Jesus, uh, a couple of big things have just happened. Okay? Jesus had fairly recently set, sent out the 12 and sent them out two by two. So these six mini missionary teams uh, of the apostles go out and they're ministering all over the place and God is just doing powerful, powerful things. And so those apostles are on their way back to report back to Jesus everything that they've seen and heard and right, all of these miracles that they've performed. And so Jesus is looking for time with them, right? Kind of quiet time just to reconnect. The other big thing that's happened is uh, right before this, John the Baptist is beheaded. And so you've got to believe, right, that Jesus, you've got to believe that that hurt. You've got to believe he's in the place of just needing, right, some time with the Father and with the brothers to just, I don't know, I don't know if Jesus had to get things back together, but, right, and so all, all of these stories say that he, he's gone to this solitary place to spend time with the Father, to spend time with his brothers, and just kind of reflect and, and be built back up. But what happens is there's crowds who have seen him doing miracles. They've heard him teaching, and they follow him. So this design, what Jesus is looking for is to have some quiet time, and instead, there are masses and masses of people following him, rightfully so. And so rather than Jesus right, focusing on what, what he was looking for, it says that he looks out at this crowd and he sees that they were like sheep without a shepherd, They had nobody tending to them, nobody caring for their soul, nobody ministering to them, nobody protecting them or, or cleaning them up or keeping them out of trouble. Or they're just, they didn't have a shepherd. And it says that he had compassion on them, that his, in the, the innermost part, right, the deep down part of his being, right, that he was moved and that he couldn't possibly send them away. And so instead, he begins teaching them. He begins healing the sick. 
He begins doing the things that only Jesus can do. And there's so many of them, and he's ministering that it starts to get really late in the day, and, and the, you know, it's, you know, they're on the side of a mountain, and Jesus is doing his thing, and it's getting late, and he looks up. And the disciples come to him, and their response is, and again, this shows up in all three, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The disciples' response is, Jesus, it's time to pull the plug for today. Send these people away so that they can go and buy food, that they can go into the neighboring villages and they can buy food in order to, right, for dinner before they all go home. Right, one of the accounts says, right, not even buy food, but find food. Because, again, the title at the top of this section of my Bible, and I'm sure yours is the same, is that Jesus feeds 5,000. Right, but the reality is, it says that they, he fed 5,000 men. Right? So the crowd is 5,000 men. A lot of commentaries estimate that there were at least 10,000 people here. When you put women and children into the mix, 10,000 people. And so the disciples' response is, Jesus, send these people away so that they can go take care of themselves. And so what we see here is a very different approach, right? We, we've heard the scripture before that, that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And this is, becomes a, a crystal clear example of that. The disciples' answer is, send them away. Jesus' response is, no. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And so this is where it starts to get interesting. Okay, and so if you've got a Bible with you, um, if you open up to John chapter 6. And so the, this story starts in verse 1, but I'm going to pick up in verse 5. And I love this. If, if you read the Gospel of John closely, John, who was probably one of the youngest of the apostles, is really like a tattletale. He's very good at naming names, like calling out specific other apostles, right? When Peter screws up, he doesn't say, oh, hey, one of the apostles screwed up. He said, no, it was Peter. Right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about the disciples wanted to send the people away. Right? Collectively. They don't, they don't name names. John says, no, in this case, it was Philip. Right? And so Jesus starts having this conversation kind of within that context with Philip. And Jesus asks him a question. He says, Philip... Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Right. Now, if you're prone to journaling or writing in your Bible, right, there's a couple of important pieces here. The first one is where. Where are we going to go? Right. They're in a remote place. Jesus had tried to get away to a solitary place. They're in the middle of nowhere. 
They're on the side of a mountain. And the other piece is we. Where shall we buy bread for all of these people? Now, you've got to remember, it's evening time, right? So even if they went to nearby villages uh, to, to try and buy or find bread, the chances are, right, you go to any supermarket here in the area, they are not making bread at 5 o'clock at night. Right? When do you make bread? In the morning, right? Bakers, like, notoriously get up early, right, and make bread and all that stuff so that when you walk in and you want to buy your coffee and a bagel, it's there. They do that in the morning, right? It's dinner time right now, right? The chances of these folks being able to find bread anywhere, let alone buy it, pretty remote. But Jesus is owning this with the disciples, this work, this critical thing, right? This mission that he's, right? He's saying, no, we're not sending these people away, right? They don't have a shepherd to tend to them. What are we going to do? But I love this next part. It says he asked Philip this only to test him. That word test means to disciple, right? He's not messing with Philip here, right? He's discipling him, right? He's, he's growing Philip in, about, in what's about to happen. But Jesus says he already had in mind what he was going to do, right? I think I shared this last time when I, when I shared there's a part of me that wants to believe Jesus is just kind of sitting back as he's having this conversation with Philip, kind of the same way that a parent or a grandparent sits with kids around Christmas. When you know what's in the package that they're about to open, but that kid doesn't know yet. And they're like, oh man, I hope this is what's coming. And you're like, I don't know. Let's find out. Right? Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knows the end from the beginning. But he's discipling Philip, discipling all the disciples, but John is calling out Philip in particular. And really, to some degree, it's kind of hard not to feel like maybe these guys shouldn't have known. Right? A lot of times we give the disciples kind of a bad rap, thinking, man, these guys are so dumb. Right? They're hanging out with Jesus. Like, hadn't they seen enough to really know what he was going to do? We hang out with Jesus. We don't always know what he's going to do either. Right? We're the same as them. But Jesus knew, right? 10,000 people. He knew exactly how he was going to do this. And he knew it was going to involve him and the disciples buying bread for these people. But again, that question, where shall we buy bread? Right? Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes until the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where is not a place? Where will we go to buy bread? Where is not a place? Where is a person? And his name is Jesus. But see, the other thing is, this is not the first time that God was in a place of needing to provide bread 
for a really big group of people. Right? You see, there was a group of people called the nation of Israel, right, who are wandering around in a desert for 40 years. And God had managed six days a week, right? He didn't, he didn't provide on the Sabbath. They had to collect two days' worth of bread on the Sabbath or on the day before so that they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. But six days a week for 52 weeks for 40 years works out to almost 12,500 times that God had literally, his promise to Moses in Exodus was that he would rain down bread from heaven. And he did, almost 12,500 times. Do you honestly think it was gonna be too hard for Jesus to feed 10,000 people on the side of a mountain? That's a pretty good track record. That's a pretty good track record. Jesus knew where help was coming from. But Philip is not answering the where question. He's not even mindful of the where question. Philip answers him and says, Lord, eight months' wages wouldn't buy enough bread for everybody here to have one bite. What's interesting is all four Gospels have the exact same. It was going to take eight months' wages. Now, I know what my grocery bill in my house for six of us looks like. I don't know what your grocery bill looks like, but if we added all of those together for eight months, there's not 10,000 of us here. But the reality is, even if Philip had in his hands bags of money totaling eight months' worth of wages, where would he have gone? They're in the middle of nowhere. There is no price chopper. Whole Foods, fresh market, save a lot. He's asking the wrong question. Jesus wants to know where. Philip wants to know how. Not long before this, right, in Matthew 6, the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, and Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer, which includes, right, give us what? This day our daily bread. Not registering. All he had to do was ask, right? Philip is sitting next to Jesus, part of the Trinity, who literally at the beginning spoke and created not bread, but the heavens and the earth, right? The stars and the moon and the sun and the sky and the water, divided the waters from the land and all of creation, including us, at at a word, he could have done that. Again, not on Philip's radar screen. He's asking the wrong question. He's asking how, not where. But Jesus, he's just sitting back. He knows exactly what he's going to do here.
it's not, it's not far after this particular story, right, that Jesus actually says to the disciples, I'm the bread of life, right? That's later on in John 6. If you keep reading, it's later on here that Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I am the where. I was reading this morning. I woke up a little extra early. felt like God had some additional pieces. Do you know what Bethlehem means? You guys know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. Right, God brought forth Jesus through right, the house of bread, the bread of life. This is my body broken for you. Where does my help come from? Where will we buy bread? And so it's at this point Philip realizes, right, he is empty-handed. The answer to that question, what is in your other hand? The answer to that for Philip is, it is empty. I have nothing. I do not have what it is going to take to accomplish what Jesus is looking for here. I do not have it. None of them do. Those 12 apostles who become the paragons of, of you know, Christian faith, there are 24 empty hands. So if you feel like that, you're not in bad company. If you wonder, you feel like, Lord, I don't have anything in my hand, you're not in bad company. So Andrew comes forward, right? His hands are empty too. But there's this small boy who's carrying five loaves and two small fish. Barley loaves, right? The coarsest, right? Israel, Canaan was a land of wheat, not barley. Right? Barley was cheap, and it, and it was, you know, typically it was um, unrefined and rough. Right? It was not the type of bread that you would put out if you were having uh, good friends over. It was kind of like the lowest on the bread totem pole. And these are not like party subs that this little guy is carrying, right? He's little, right? Probably not, right? Five loaves. You're talking about a little boy carrying five of these and two small fish. We're probably talking sub rolls and two fish, barley. But between them, that's all they've got. That's what's in their hand. Five loaves, two fish, 10,000 people. If I put those up here, if I, I thought about stopping this morning at Panera and getting some really fancy looking bread and fish I thought might be a little harder to sell for <laughs> Nathan and Corey let me put that up here. But, but if I put five loaves and two fish up here, I couldn't, I couldn't feed you guys in this row. Maybe if you were all super gracious and stopped somewhere for lunch afterwards. I couldn't feed this section, let alone all of you. Five loaves and two small fish in front of 10,000 people. But that is what they had in their hand, collectively. Collectively. 
And I think if we were really honest with ourselves, this is the question, right? This is what comes up. Andrew brings forward this little boy. We know that the disciples were not particularly great with kids, right? Later on in the Gospels, right? There's little kids looking to get prayed for by Jesus, and the disciples are like, no, you guys stay over here. Right? They're not like, they're not like warm, fuzzy guys. And yet, like, so Andrew's like, you know, carrying this guy, right? What's in Andrew's hand is the little guy, who, and what's in the little guy's hand is two lo- five loaves and two fish. And so he brings them to Jesus. In this case, they're, they're more than eager to bring the children to Jesus. Not for prayer, but for bread. But it comes with a question, right? How far will they go among so many? And I think this is the the thing we look around in our lives and we look at what's in our hand and we think, how far is this really gonna go? When you look around at the people that you work with, when you look around at the people in in your family or your extended family or in your community, and you look at the goods that you have in your hand, is that not the question that, make, that gives you pause? Or will it even matter? Will this even be enough? It gives me pause. It makes me wonder. Right? This eldership thing? Not enough not even close. And the reality is, I love Ed and and Nathan and Corey and Aaron and all, even together, not enough. On our own. But see, the question is from Jesus, where will we buy bread? And so Jesus is not phased by barley loaves and by fish that will not be enough. Not in the least. And this same pattern, again, repeats in all four of these stories. It says, Jesus took the loaves. He received them as an offering. What little bit, the inadequate thing that these guys had in their hands, the thing that was never going to be enough, he freely received it as an offering. It says he took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it away. And that pattern shows up in all four Gospels. What I want you to hear today is the places where you feel like it's not gonna be enough, like it's inadequate. What I want you to hear today is Jesus is ready to receive that. He's ready. He's, he's not phased by your lack. Not in the least. In fact, he's looking for your lack 
so that you and he together right, can buy bread right, to feed and provide and nourish those around you. Again, I don't know what your Bible says, but my, the header that's broken out in here is that Jesus feeds the 5,000, but the reality is his heart, the model here, is that Jesus, the disciples, and that little boy fed 5,000 together. He didn't need them. He didn't need them. Like I said, 12,500 times before that, God had provided without Israel needing to do anything. We've got to make sure that our focus is on, not on how, but on where our help is coming from, where bread is coming from for ourselves and for those around us, right? In our workplace, in our family, in our community, within this church. Because the reality is the answer to that question of where is always going to be the same. The answer of where is always going to be Jesus. Like I said, where is not a place, it's a person. We are the how, the thing that Peter was so caught, or that Philip was so caught up in about how, right? Jesus received it, Jesus broke it, or blessed it, Jesus broke it, and the disciples partnered with him to feed those 10,000 people. Right? Jesus took their lack and he did what only he can do. And he called the disciples into that work with him. And they did what only they could do. They didn't bring anything to the table. It was all about him. About his provision. And the awesome part in this story is it says, right, Philip, if you remember, said if we had eight months worth of money, everybody would get one bite. Jesus does what only Jesus can do, and he calls the disciples into that work with him. In verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Every person there, it says, if you read in, those other, in the other accounts, in the other Gospels, that they ate until they were full. Not one bite. Not a single bite. Full. Right? I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly, overflowing, full beyond measure. That's the bread that we have. And so this morning, my question to all of you is, what's in your hand, your other hand? Maybe nothing. Maybe you're in the place of just feeling like I've got nothing. You know what? Jesus is ready to work with that. And maybe you're like that young boy and maybe you've got something but it's not gonna be enough. You know what? He's ready to work with that too. 
Or maybe you're like one of those folks who's on the side of the mountain. And you're just looking for bread to eat for yourself. You don't have a shepherd yet. Right? You're hungry. And you're sick. Right? You need somebody to, to tend to you. Right? He's ready for that too. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to have Corey and the, and the worship team come up. And I just want to take a minute and, and just have you reflect and, and, and ask yourself whether you're, whether you're asking the wrong question like Philip was. Right? Not how. Lord, where? What do you need help with right now? What part of you is, is lacking and in need of of Jesus. And maybe it's all of you, the entirety of you. Like I said, maybe you don't have a shepherd yet. So as these guys uh, play, I want to just ask you, if you're in that place of just saying, Lord, I, am, I don't have enough. There's not enough of me right now to meet what you're asking. Come up. Get prayer. And if you've never tasted the bread of life, all the more, right? Come today and taste and see what God's got for you. This is what Jesus would say. This is out of Isaiah 55. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. If you're in either one of those places, he is ready. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Will you give him what's in your other hand? as empty or full as it is, will you give it to him?